for PJ to get his camera going here as he adjusts his microphone that's currently hot. God, I'm so sorry. I mean, I just... It is what it is. All right, so you can now... Everybody can it's, now see PJ now. Zuko if we are streaming. Okay. Uh, All right. Let's just start off. We'll preface it with I this. I didn't get my pre-show hair thing. I'm on. wearing just a t-shirt and a hat. Cam looks extremely snuggly uh, in a sweatshirt, sweatpants, <laughs> some nice Jordans on, and a hat. PJ Zuko looks like he's ready to go to the Met Gala over here. Got a button-down shirt on. He's got the sleeves rolled up like a quarter of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, got to have the quarter. The, yeah, quarter roll. Oh, for yeah. sure. So he's got he's got the sleeves rolled up on the button-down. A nice like design on the white button-down. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're wearing blue jeans today. Yeah, why not? It's uh, comfortable. It's a comfortable day. You know, I mean, nice. It's like it's what's like. What's her name? <laughs> <laughs> what's her name? I can't share that yet. No. Um. No, it's this is really thriving in in the best part of the year to me. I mean, because, like, I can't wear this a month ago. I can't wear this, like, two weeks ago. Or if I do, I am very mad at myself come about 11.30. Like, not even afternoon, like 11.30. Just, like, why I'm so uncomfortable. Why do I, it's too hot. Why did I even wear this and try and walk outside today? But now... You got, like, the perfect, like, low 70s, high 60s throughout the day. I mean, you can you can wear what you want to. You can be comfortable, man. So, I mean, this is this is, this is one of my favorite shirts right now, to be honest with you. So, I, I woke up, look at the weather every single morning because I'm 97 years old. And uh, I was what's like, the, all right. What's the first thing you look at in the morning? My ceiling. No, I mean, okay. the back <laughs> of my right. eyelids. So, uh, so you're a back sleeper then, huh? The back of, the back of my nah, eyelids. No, nah, I'm not a back sleeper. I just roll <laughs> over. No, like, like first, first day. No, no, uh, first thing you, that's kind of depressing. I would hope you were more excited to come here. <laughs> no, I've always Peeling been like that. Open, he's like, oh, I got to go see these guys again. Why? No, I've always forever have been like that, just like another day. It, school, college, it was always like that. I'm not a morning person. Nor I'm, I'm not. I love sleeping. Let's put it like that. Sleep's nice. I was gonna man. say that was gonna be my next thing. Is it like? Is it always uh, another morning, or is it like uh, another mid afternoon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love sleeping. Oh, what's the first lie. thing you look at in the morning? Like, cause I know for it, most of us, it's our phone. Yeah, like, uh, I mean first, that is yeah. First thing you look at is the phone. Nah. And if you talk to how many, anyone, okay, who how knows. many things do you do before you open your phone for the first time in the morning? Uh, I go use the bathroom. Brush my teeth, wash my hands, all that, and then I go eat. Well, try to find food. Without, and you don't touch your phone the no. entire time? The whole time. No, like, do you have an alarm no. clock? Or do you use your phone uh, as the alarm clock? Uh, ah. uh, yeah, my, uh, my alarm clock goes off, but you know what I do? I just press the volume button. Oh, so you keep it, it down like you don't even look so you don't, at it? you never look at okay. it. Okay. No, right. no, I don't look at it. That's too dangerous for me because I have developed a thing now where when my alarm goes off, I will reach with my left hand and I can turn that alarm and hit that snooze without even yeah. like cognitively being aware of it mm-hmm. hmm. my phone which what i use for my alarm clock is on the other side of my room mm-hmm. like not even room it's on the other side of my I was room gonna let it slide yeah no for sure so like I, I have my bed in one in one corner and then on the completely opposite corner as far away as possible is is my alarm because I, I just can't. No, I got, I I got personally attacked one time. Where oh, there's so like, much stuff in my sleep, man. Somebody told me hitting the snooze button in the morning is like the first decision of your day is to quit. And I was like, dang. Wow. Hmm. I was like, 
dang. Interesting. So I, I've been, I, I try not to hit that snooze button. But no, like, I mean, I first thing I do is look at my phone because it's like, I don't know if like something blew up overnight. If like you guys are calling me being like, hey, all of our stations are off the air. Yeah. We have an emergency. Like, that's the first thing I do. And so it's usually a relief when it's just like some news updates, a couple of text messages. Like, that's fine. Some Twitter right. things. It's good. But, I mean, that's always the first thing. I don't really look at the weather, though, because, I mean, it's pretty much standard. In, so- in South Georgia, it's going to be from April until late October. It's just going to be hot. Just go ahead and accept that it's going to be hot. Once it hits late October into November, it's going to be perfect outside. And then, like, maybe maybe for, like, two or three months a year, do we consider it cold? I don't know, because it's, like... And I'll still wear it's shorts. It's not even fake fall. Like, I'm not even caught because I get you know, what you're talking about with fake fall. That's like early I mean, PG, It's like it's 74 like degrees October. outside right now. No, I understand. But what I'm talking about is, like, why I check the weather is a lot of times, especially this time of year. Well, like two weeks ago, we had a week that was, like, really pretty dang cold. We had, like, a, a cold front come in and a storm and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then last week was pretty warm. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I, I don't know. I... I've been down here. I'm used to it to a certain extent, but I also like I do not like feeling like way too hot. It's just so uncomfortable to me, and it's it's right on the edge. Like I'm always right on the edge of that, and I love wearing long sleeve shirts and stuff like that. So like I have a lot of long sleeve shirts. I have a lot of button ups, things like that. So I need to get you on the t-shirt game. I t-shirts very odd to me. And what? No, no, no. I'm, like I'm, I'm not even talking about like the graphic tees. I'm saying like you need like no, I'm not even saying that. You need like four t-shirts. Like a gray one, a green one, a black one. I'm not one, even talking about like the, another gray one. The style, the design of the shirt. I mean, the fit of the shirt is very. I am a very awkward build. Okay, and hopefully you get that body dysmorphia out of here. Well, that's the thing. Hopefully we can we can change that with a little bit of you know CrossFit. Yeah. Once right. once I get uh, in the gym gotta, a little more consistently come. with you guys. He's got to come for sure. Well, I'm going to basketball tonight. But anyway. Um, uh, speaking of which, you need to invite Cam to basketball one night so he can go out there and torch y'all. Let's go, man. Where are you playing? Well, that's, I can't really say that. No. <laughs> we, I need Church to, League. I need to go. Yeah. It's, it's like an open that. thing, but like I need to go and see because we have a problem where, especially here around the area, it's like you, you go and you have decent numbers and you're mm-hmm. all right and everything's fine. It's open for like two, two and a half hours. And then all of a sudden, there's like 35 people there every week. 35, 40 people. That's, you can only get late. like one game in in the time limit. And it's well, like, I mean, but what do y'all play to? Well, well, I mean, it started at 15, but then it gone down mm-hmm. to 12. Yeah. And then when once it's That's like about right. once it's like 35 people, it, it goes, goes down 11. to 10. Or, so yeah, it's yeah. like you so keep is going it like down king more. King of the court, like whoever wins just stands on the yeah. court, right? Yep. Oh yeah, just gotta win. So that's that's PG, this is what I'm saying is you need to invite Cam and you'll never leave the court. <laughs> it's, it's real. I don't <laughs> know. Just gotta win. There's some there's some good guys out there, but right. uh, it it depends. It depends. I'm but, trying to think of how to segue to this to sports talk, but I, don't know, I mean PJ looks nice today. It's kind of shocking when you see what we typically wear in here, which is just like shorts, t-shirts, and then PJ walks in and we're like, man, like I said, what's her name? <laughs> so I, mean, I think PJ might. Uh, I don't know if there's actually basketball tonight. Cam, I think maybe PJ saying that. That's why he got so nervous when we asked him where he was playing. He's like, oh, I, you know. Well, it's a thing. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's a no. lot like the rest of my – I got to keep it hidden, man. I can't, can't give away so too much information. So mysterious. You, know? you don't not, want people not knowing mysterious. your spots. I understand. <laughs> I understand. PJ, very mysterious. Not mysterious. This is my segue. Uh, not mysterious is go. the future of Justin Fuente. He is out yeah. at Virginia Tech. And one that I think we pretty much all saw coming. So now I want to pull this open, but – 
the the major significant jobs that are open right now. Virginia Tech joins the ranks of the LSU, USC, potentially Florida, maybe if something weird happens. And then what I also think is cool is like because TCU is still open, some other jobs are still open. As these jobs start getting filled, what vacuums the, those then create? Does Lane Kiffin take one of those jobs? If he does, who's the next head coach at Ole Miss, right? Does James Franklin take the head coaching job at one of those spots? If he does, where or who goes to Penn State? But I wanted to get this from you guys. Power rank the head coaching openings. LSU, Virginia Tech, USC, and Washington, because Jimmy Lake got fired yesterday as well. Yeah, uh, it's difficult. It's difficult to me because it's so easy. I, I want to just be like LSU's number one because I feel like it is. It is. I feel like it is. Then again, if you like USC, to me, maybe I'm thinking ten years ago. It's it's so easily recruitable. For young recruits that want to go out there, play in L.A., I mean, play one of the most premier college football programs in, in college football, like, period. And if you're the coach, you just need to go out there and have success in the Pac-12 South. That's not that difficult. I, I don't know how it's been that difficult. Um, I know you have high expectations, and uh, we all were surprised that Clay Hilton was always on the verge of, of getting – uh, fired from there each time he lost a game. Seemed like every time they lost, it was like, oh man, that's that. He's about to. That's wild. I'm happy he is where he is now for sure. But I, I, I just obviously the stress level was high. But then again, just be successful in the Pac-12 South, man. Um, it, it, you really got to go out and, and beat and get past Oregon, and that's kind of it. So if you can establish yourself down there really well recruit really well. I feel like that's challenging for the top spot. I will say that's number two, though. Uh, uh, LSU, obviously premier recruiting as well. Um, SEC West, you have all, all the names, all the history, all I mean, the whole state of Louisiana to go out and get, and then, of course, the, south, the whole southeast. Sure. Uh, really, you can recruit all around the country with the LSU brand as well, and it, just with everything that's been built up. So... I feel like they're in a really good spot. So LSU 1, USC 2. I'll take Virginia Tech 3, actually, uh, because, you, again, you, you have I think you have the history, the tradition, uh, the 10-win, 11-win Virginia Tech teams yeah. and, and programs aren't that far away. Like, they aren't that far in the past. Um, so I feel like you can build up. And, I mean, you have one of the best atmospheres, one of the best entrances in all of college football, if not the best. And, of course, you, you can have, have that aid you as well. And the ACC is a lot like the Pac-12 in the sense of you got to get past Clemson. And I know that's a tough ask for 99% of years, sure. you know, but not, not necessarily this year. But you got to get past Clemson. Not a whole lot else you have to really get past anymore. So Virginia Tech, number three. Uh, Washington there, number four. What about you, Cam? Uh, I'll put USC uh, number one. Wow. Really? Yeah, I, I would put USC number one only because you guys live in those Reggie Bush days. I'm uh, kind of yes, but also it's kind of like what PJ said. They're in the Pac-12, and you don't have to play Bama, um, Auburn, Florida, Georgia every single year. You're just playing Oregon, and I think as a coach, you should, that should intrigue any coach. You're in LA, um, obviously you're in Southern Cal, and 
you know, nice scenery for one, good weather, you know, good things. He go out there in Southern Cal, but it's good recruiting as well. They got players out there in California. Uh, I'll put USC number one because of that. Um, you can make the college football playoffs potentially every year. I don't think you can do that in the SEC West. Obviously, I have LSU number two. Um, it's still a great university, but if you look at USC and LSU, if you compare them the past 10 years, they're not too far away from each other outside of the national championship season. Mm-hmm. So I'll do LSU number two, Virginia Tech number three, obviously. They still have tradition and all that good stuff. Like you said, one of the best interests in college football, which I learned about this year from you guys. And then Washington number four. I do not know too much about Washington. Not going to speak on them too much, but um, I know they've had a couple of NFL players come out from there. I All right, so there are multiple different factors. And I understand you guys, and it's kind of like looking at it through the prism of – Oh, the city you live in and, and the, the players who have come through in their past. It's a job, right? Like any other job, what's the number one thing you're looking at? Money. It, like, let's it, be pay, honest pay, here. Like, of course. Yeah, yeah, let's all be honest here. Like, it, it's the number one thing you look at is money. It's like, oh, well, pageantry, tradition. No, man, you look at what your checks are going to look like when they hit your bank account every couple of weeks, right? Uh, depending on if you're one of those biweekly people or if uh, you're lucky enough to get paid every week or, you know, once a month. Whatever it is. <laughs> Here are the top five coaches in the SEC in terms of salary. Nick Saban makes $9.5 million entering this year. Ed Orgeron at LSU was number two at $9 million a year. Then you have Dan Mullen at seven point five, Jimbo Fisher at seven point five, and Kirby Smart at seven point one. The Pac-12, no coaches make $9 million a year. Hmm. David Shaw at Stanford is the highest paid coach in the Pac-12 yeah. by $3 million. Goodness he gracious. makes eight million or eight point nine million dollars a year at Stanford. UCLA's Chip Kelly is the second highest paid at five point six. Kyle Whittingham at Utah makes five point two. Way down at number four entering this year was Clay Helton. Four point eight. Yeah. So you're making half as much money. Obviously contracts are going to be different, but from what, everything we've heard, LSU is about to break somebody off. Right. You're basically making half as much money to be the head coach at USC than you would be to be the head coach at LSU. Now, this is on I'm on smartasset.com forward slash taxes forward slash California tax calculator. I put in four million dollars. Would you care to guess how much money you are paying in taxes being in California? For uh, one year at two at four million dollars. About two point five. You you are yeah. you are paying $2.04 million Jeez. in taxes Yeah, to be in California. So you, you shake it all out. After taxes, if you sign for more $4 million a year, you're making $1.9 million. Crazy. You guys want to know why you're not getting the elite of the elite head coaches in California right now or maybe ever again? That's why. It's, it's so expensive. You basically yeah. have to double their money. I mean, to be fair, and I, I'd have to look up Louisiana's, but it seems like you'd probably have to pay somebody 33 to 40% more than what LSU or some of these other schools, Lord knows Texas or Florida, because there's no state income tax, can pay these coaches. You're having to just add that on top. Mm -hmm. If they want to go get one of these guys, which is why I don't think USC is going to get one of these huge names out there and probably why they stuck with uh, a guy like Clay Helton as long as possible. Everyone's like, why is he still there? Why is he still there? Nothing against Clay Helton. It just seemed like that was always the story, right? Yeah, you can't inherently afford to go out and get somebody. Clay Helton said this in his introductory press conference at Georgia Southern. He's making eight hundred thousand dollars, right? 
and he was making four, which we just determined was really 1.9. And he's saying, and I don't have to pay California taxes on everything, my yeah. property tax, all of that. It's maybe it's not that big of a difference, <laughs> yeah. right? Versus like the the cost of living in Statesboro versus Los Angeles. True. Right. So when I'm when I'm looking at these coaching openings, and I'm looking at USC, and you're looking at securing your future, plus it's a job that people are going to expect a lot out of you. Yeah, absolutely. That might be fourth on my list. Whew. Whereas. Whereas if you're at Virginia Tech, it's a program that you can build. They're going to be patient with you because they went from their greatest head coach of all time to a failed experiment. You're going to have patience plus the ACC working on new TV contract deals, maybe looking at expansion. Who knows? They're part of the alliance right now. But with the 12-team playoff coming, Virginia Tech is a team I think that could compete for that every single year. And then Washington, I think that's a highly underrated job. Underrated, uh, yeah. Awesome campus. It's the state school. The only thing is kind of like Mario Cristobal at Oregon is the only thing is you are just at a significant recruiting disadvantage because sure. you don't have a ton of great recruits in your home state. You have to go outside your borders to get players. So, I mean, honestly, if I'm looking at it, I'd probably go LSU, Virginia Tech, and Washington flip those back and forth. Maybe I'd say Virginia Tech, number two. And I have USC down at four. I mean, you can't keep living off the past. When was the last time USC was a significant contender? Yeah, it's been a while. Like, what, uh, Mark Sanchez? Man. Uh, I don't know. The highest I, I feel the, like I, I know. I know there was that game like in 2016 seven, or 15 yeah. where Jalen Hurts was a freshman and they came out and they were doing the thing where they were like crawling onto mm-hmm. the field and they just get absolutely demolished by Alabama. I, I want to I mean, say it was 16 because I, I know. I mean, you what, had a few years there with Sam Darnold. And, yeah, the and, highest with Sam but was I'm talking three. About like, was four. People thought they had a chance to compete for a national championship. They were the top last five, time top they ten could that compete. whole year. Yeah, I mean, that was Pete so, Carroll. So was, I mean, so was uh, Dan Mullen and uh, Mississippi Dak State. Prescott. Yeah. That was one year, though. I, I mean, I, I'm. I think they had two good years on the Hilton where they three. went ten and three, eleven and three. Cotton Bowl, uh, L Rose Bowl W. But outside of that, I mean their highest ranking with Hilton was three and four. So both of those years right. you had two losses going into a bowl game at least. Yep. Yeah. But I'm saying throughout the year you you, you were talking about projected and possibly making know. a national championship or at least making a run at one. I mean, normally two loss teams, that's that's where they are in the middle of the year. You know, they're still talking about the possibility of that. But no, I mean, I, I know what you mean for sure, and that is a big hit, um, especially with those taxes. That That is one thing I, I did not think about and forget about. But also that comes down to, obviously, you have those taxes. comes down to the university to be able to go out. If they really want to go out and get a premier coach, they know where their checkbook is going to have to be. But look and, who's and been, look it's who it's been be. since Pete Carroll. It was, it was Lane Kiffin. And that was kind of an experimental hire. Right. Right. At the it, time. Steve yep. Sarkeesian, that was a reclamation project kind of a deal where, I mean, he coming from Washington, he had done a good job up there. And yeah. then, or I guess I should say it's become a reclamation project for Steve Sarkeesian following USC. That was right? before. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's just, we, we obviously know what happened in a year and a half with Steve Sarkeesian. And then it was Clay Helton. Right. Is I, I just don't, USC, I, don't, I think they're going to be priced out of getting one of these huge coaches. Maybe a Luke Fickle. But I think he's making like two point five mil right. to be at Cincinnati right now, somewhere around there. So yeah, so, I mean, you probably have to break him up. You probably yeah. have to be like close to nine or ten 
to really make it worth him moving out to USC because he's mm -hmm. about to join a Power 5 conference. So I, I just find it fascinating. we got to take a quick break. We're a little bit over. We'll come back. We'll talk some more about this next right here. Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. We crunched the numbers during the break. And just using the $4 million mark as, as a metric, mm -hmm. you would basically be taking home 600000 extra dollars a year to be the coach in Louisiana versus being a coach in California. Again, making that $4 million a year. So, I mean, over the life of a contract, I mean, it's USC. I don't know what the donors look like out there. I don't know what the, that cash flows looking like for the head coach. I know what it looks like at LSU. Yeah. And it is what you need. Flowing. Yeah. yeah. What you need. And I know Matt Moscona came on our show when the news broke that Ed Orgeron and LSU would be parting ways at the end of the season. And he said that LSU per capita has the most NFL players. I think Georgia has that right now. My man Todd Holcomb with the AJC is correct. Mm -hmm. But still, right there. And I think yeah. Georgia and – or excuse me. Yeah, I think Georgia and LSU share a very, very similar trait where it's you are the – predominant college of your state whereas usc is like you're competing with a bunch of schools yeah in california no doubt georgia you're competing with georgia tech and i right now when it comes to football <laughs> i don't know how big of a competition that is when it comes to getting recruits like i think georgia's more so worried about auburn and alabama and florida coming into the state ohio state notre dame coming in and scraping yeah. away the recruits they want versus georgia tech louisiana there there's no other power five school right you're competing against louisiana Tulane, yeah. in terms of people in your state. Right. Now, will Georgia come in and grab a player every now and then? Yeah, they did with Cedric Van Pran, their starting center. Came and got him out of there, kind of like what they did with N'Kobe Dean, where they went into Mississippi and got the number one player out of the state of Mississippi, and now you look how that's turning out. But I, I just think there's such an advantage with being just that you're the one Power 5 team. And the kids growing up, much like I think it should be for Texas, because I know we talk about all the schools Texas has to recruit against. That's such a giant state that it's basically like four different states. Mm -hmm. But where you are at at Texas, you should not be losing any of those recruiting battles for kids near you because that's just it's such a cult yeah. out there yeah. that those kids grow up and it's hook them. Like you should not be losing any of those battles. But Louisiana, it's very much the same way. Right. I mean, there are so many. Just talking to people who work out there, there are so many schools that are the Tigers, kind of like the Bulldogs. In Georgia, right? And there's so many schools out there who wear purple and gold, right? It's just you shouldn't be missing out on those. I just I think that's the best opening right now, and I, that's the one that I think more so than any of the other jobs is the Mister Still Your Coach, mm -hmm. where it's they can pretty much go to 120, I'd say, FBS programs and say we're taking your coach, yeah, and maybe more. I don't know. And even if they say, oh yeah, are you sure? And then they just dump that load of money on the desk and say, yep. Let me ask you this. Do exactly. you guys think Lane Kiffin should leave for any of the openings right now? Oh, man. If, if he's up on their boards right now, LSU, UCL, or UCL, USC. Definitely know the USC. What if Florida comes open? Ooh, Florida? Hmm. Florida's maybe, because this, this is my thing with LSU. I don't know. I, I get every... Football teams, it, it's a. I can I don't tell know you, LSU, LSU do, would love to land Lane Kiffin. Can, do you think he can do like? Do you think he can transform that offense into what what he needs at LSU yeah. in time before they fire him? Yeah, he's already yeah. doing it at Ole Miss. But I mean, they like already kind of had a 
a wide open spread type of yes. of deal either way. Like that, you, you come in and make a few tweaks, and you have Lane Kiffin's offense. It but it wasn't that. I mean, it was literally two years ago when LSU was was kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. I, I I don't think it would take very long at all. And if you look, what was the biggest problem with Ole Miss last year was the defense. Right. I, do you, you guys know what Ole Miss's record is right now? Putting up insane numbers. Eight yeah. and two. They're eight and two. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> One of those losses to Alabama. Yeah. Right. They're a pretty dang good team. They handled Texas A and M. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they thought was. Yeah. One of the top five hottest teams in the country. Yeah, and, and yeah. I what I said was probably the second best defense in the SEC. Yeah, right. And they handled them That's and with a with a very depleted offense. They like we keep yeah. talking about Georgia's injuries. They are missing a ton on offense, and Matt Corral is all kinds of banged up, but he still went out there and played. Like that offense is missing a lot right now. That's a tough question for me to answer. Like. He's building something nice at Ole Miss. Something wants me to say, "Hey, keep building something well, nice here's my at thing Ole with Miss." That is, he's never going to get fired. Like he fits with that program so well, yeah. and kind of with the the attitude they want to have. But I do think there's a cap on what, what you can do. do at Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. There's no cap at LSU if he goes there. He could really go big with LSU. I like Lane Kiffin, the coach. Too. Yeah, that's like Anakin joining the dark side. Like that's <laughs> it. Really is. So LSU versus Florida. I mean, what do you think? Ooh. If if Florida comes over, I honestly, I, mean, I honestly, God, I honestly, God, think LSU is a better job. Yeah, and I'll say this: Florida is a top five job in the country, in my opinion. I think LSU is too. I think LSU is a better job. Uh, one because we we kind of spoke about it. LSU doesn't have to recruit against any other in school, Florida has Florida or in, State. yeah, in state right. schools. You have Florida State, Miami. UCF that you're having to go Georgia against. Right Georgia is always coming into the yeah. state of Florida to always. discuss and some you people. you talk about Miami. I mean, everyone's always good. Like, you have you have people oh, like in schools state. in Texas. Yeah, I mean, you have yeah. Ohio State coming yeah. down to grab people from yeah, Miami. Yeah, Miami's like I mean, a whole different state. Yeah. when they're down there, they come down not to recruit Florida kids. They go down there to recruit Miami kids. Yeah. So it's uh, I think Florida is probably just behind LSU in my opinion. I think LSU can afford to pay their coaches a little bit more than what Florida can right now, and also this. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm just saying it's the reality. The expectations from the fan base. LSU wants to win. Yeah, they, that, That's what they want. They want to win. Florida, they want to win, and they want to win in a certain way. Right. Yeah, I, can I will see say that. this. Flip side, which is an easier division to win in? I'd say it's probably the yeah. East right now. Yeah, and you look at the West, Nick Saban's probably not going anywhere for the next three or four years. I don't know if he's going to make it to the end of that six or seven years remaining on his contract, but he, he's going to be there. Jimbo Fisher, I think, is building something really nice at Texas A&M. You have to play freaking Mike Leach in Mississippi State every single year. Sam Pittman's going to make Arkansas super annoying to play. Like, that's not a fun division to be But, I mean, in. he's already doing it now, though. He is. But right, but, but my point is the expectations at Florida are to go – 11-1, 12-0, and playing the SEC championship. Yeah. Ole Miss, if you're just still relevant in the SEC West at the end of the year, that's okay. You're doing your job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They love them right now. Aiden, too. I mean, I think with they LSU, it's almost the same thing. Like, not not exactly. They want to go, of course, like 10-2, and 11-1, win national championships. But I think being in that tougher division almost buys you more time. People in Florida, man, if, if you go in there and you have one team in front of you, it comes down to one game every year, and you're not winning that game two years, they're calling for your head. Yep. So, like, I, I don't think that's necessarily the same way at LSU. So It's a tough one, man. And just think about the recent history. I mean, I know we always talk about the recent national championships. 
2009 for Florida? 2008? 2008 yeah. for Florida, yeah. Eight, yeah. You talked so to a Florida fan, yeah. though. It's yesterday. Yeah, you're, thir- you're but you're 13 years <laughs> removed. <laughs> yeah. And Ur- listen, Urban Meyer ain't walking through that door. The next Urban Meyer is not walking through that door. He's one of the no. greatest college football coaches of all time. Be happy that you had him. The right. closest you get to it is Lane Kiffin. Well, no, but literally the reason you hired Dan Mullen, I think, is because he was attached to Urban Meyer during those championships. Mm-hmm. That was the that that was the reclamation project of the that former late two thousands Florida teams. I think was you wanted to get that magic back after Will Muschamp and Jim McElwain. You wanted to get that magic back with Dan Mullen, and it's kind of exploded. Yeah, I, I think he's still a great offensive play caller. I don't know about the head coach though. I, I think that's kind of being proven right now. Yeah. He's he's a he can call the hell out of some plays. Yeah, I kind of, but, see, but see, here's my question: Is Lane Kiffin the same way? Yeah, Dan Mullins right. at Mississippi State, he's bringing them to heights they hadn't been before, and it's all good. He could have coached there forever. Yeah, and they would have loved him. You go to Florida, there's expectations. I think it's a little. Different with that, I mean, with um, Lane Kiffin, because he's been where USC, Tennessee, Ole Miss, and the NFL. He's had so but much. Wh- but where did it go right in any of those? No, I'm not saying it went right in any of those situations. So Florida's going to be the one where it goes right. I think it's gone right at Ole Miss so far. So far, so far. Now I will say that, but I think the opportunity and more experience it'll, it'll play in hand. He's learned from his mistakes in the past. I mean, the well. one real, like the Kiffin. one real leverage moment we saw. This year, where it's like, all right, eyes are on you. Let's see if you can come play big boy football. They get absolutely smacked by Alabama. Now, yeah. does Alabama do that to a lot of teams? Certainly, but Florida expects to play on that level, mm-hmm. right? And, and you're in the I, I don't know if I'll call it panic. I don't know what I call what it was, but the, the going for it on fourth down as early and as often as he did in that game, and not trusting his team or his defense to make stops. That that I think kind of put a little bit of chink in in, in the armor, right? So. I don't know. I just I, I find this utterly fascinating. I think it's the reason why you see Scott Frost not get fired and kind of restructure his deal at Nebraska. It's why I don't think James Franklin's going to move. It's why I think don't think Florida's probably going to fire Dan Mullen is. Do you really want to get in this market right now? And if you do, who's the guy? Yeah. I mean, I mean, is there the is there the the Kirby Smart, the Mel Tucker? Right? Is there that guy who is the Not, proven the proven yeah, assistant who's yeah. ready to be a head coach? I think Mel Tucker, yeah. I, th- I think there Mel might Tucker's be. A good coach. I, I but think. how many teams are going after Mel Tucker? Right. I don't think a lot of teams are, but I think he's one of them coaches. The, like, but as soon, but if, Mel ta- if Mel Tucker takes a job, you're all of a sudden competing. Michigan State's now in there. I think yeah. there might be one, but I, I don't think it's there, there's like multiple. And it's actually one that I haven't really heard anywhere, and I'm not sure why. Bill O'Brien. No, God, no. No, no, yeah. no. He's looked bad this what? year. Yeah, no. I said that a couple of weeks ago with him, and I was like, Christian, what are you talking? And then I've seen these last right. couple of weeks. We'll, his we'll play calling is more yeah, he NFL. Needs, he needs a little bit. He needs to go through the car wash again. Yeah. Like he's uh, he's we'll making NFL play calls, not college play calls. Yeah, those, these, I mean, yeah. Alabama's, offense is, that yeah, Alabama's offense is NFL as hell is yeah. the best way that I can put it, and not in a good way. Like, yeah, <laughs> is, 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 is Bryce Young throwing for – just an exorbitant amount of yards every week. Yeah. Certainly, does that is that converting into points every week? No. Right. So that, that's that's kind of where I'm at like that. And even Nick Saban, you can kind of tell this just listening to Nick Saban talk. I know we got to go to break, but just mm-hmm. keep this in mind. And I'm not saying Alabama won't win the national championship because you guys know me. I love quarterbacks, and if it comes down to where everything's even, I'm going to take the team with the best quarterback. Yeah. I think Bryce Young is probably the best quarterback in college football right now. Nick Saban is super nice to his team right now. Yeah. 
he's propping them up and talking about how well they're playing. And listen, we got a lot of really good players on this team. I like where this team's at. When Nick Saban teams are good, he is just constantly on them. Yeah, what Belichick did with New England last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. He, right, is, right. he is constantly just ripping them up. Yeah. Right? The fact that – I'm not going to say coddle, but the fact that the message coming out is so upbeat makes me think this is not, as Paul Feinbaum would call it, a vintage Alabama team. Right. And maybe that's more so with defense. And I'd say the offensive line has been a little bit suspect for Alabama at, at times. Wide receivers, running backs, quarterback, awesome. As good yeah, as anybody flawless. in the country. Yeah. As yeah. good as anybody in the country. But – Defensive line, linebackers, secondary, offensive line. It's just not, quote, vintage Alabama. So Nick Saban's coming out. He's being a little bit nice to his team, trying to right. pump him up there. But well, I guess we're going to find out because there are some scenarios in which Alabama doesn't make the SEC championship, but there's a lot of them, and it includes Arkansas and Auburn beating Alabama. So that that's all you need to know about that. We're probably going to find out how good this Alabama team is coming up in December when they play Georgia in the SEC championship. we got a long way to go until we get there, but just more and more college football coaches or, the, I guess, openings coming up here, and I think it's going to be a really fascinating season. I want that to talk time some, of year. Oh, yeah, it's, but it's getting early and earlier. I want to talk about why that is, and I want to talk about a few other notes that I've noticed from this college football season next. This is Sexton and two later at his date. Oh, man. I don't know what you mean. I just like button-ups. Where button are you ups. taking her? I just like button-ups, man. Where are you taking her? I'm taking myself to basketball after work. That's true. And then might, like, roll by, get some dinner on the way home. That's pretty much it. There it is. That's, I mean, just basketball, man. Got love for the game. That's it. All right. Well, <laughs> since PJ's not going to so tell let's us get out of there. who let's he's going out with <laughs> nah, or where not. they're going. Because he can't trust us. <laughs> nothing nothing to do with that, man. I'd let y'all know if I did, for sure. I think Matt Berry from SportsCenter brought up an interesting point. Seems like there have been more field stormings this year in college football. I mean, we got two. Two for one at Baylor, Oklahoma this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Because they had to clear everybody off the field to kick a field goal, which actually matters for like the fourth of the mm. tiebreakers uh, in the Big 12. But they, they had to get everybody off, kick the field goal, and then they stormed the field Again, Lincoln Riley got all up in his fields. Why? Why do y'all think it is? I have a theory. No, oh, I know why. Why? COVID last year. That's what a lot of people yeah. think. I, I, that might be it. I had, I do have a different theory, but yeah, being cooped up. Yeah. For all those years, or for uh, yeah, a year and a half, almost two years. Yeah. Finally getting back out there. There's a lot of energy. Yeah. Why? Why do you think, PJ? I think that's a big part of it for sure. Um, I. I don't know. I'm I'm interested to hear yours because I don't have any big mind blowing theories. Uh, I th I think that's that's a big part of it. My only opinion on it is like I don't know. I, I think for for I think the Baylor Texas one was. I mean, the Baylor Oklahoma one was was a little wild. I mean, I guess yeah, they're unbeaten, but yeah. I kind of I kind of look at look at games like that, and I'm like I'm not really sure. Like for instance, when when and you're gonna say you're getting in my feels, whatever. But like for instance, when number two Iowa beat number three Penn State, mm -hmm. and then they stormed the field, like what? Why? Yeah, we're a top five team, but you're number two in the country right now. What? Why are you storming the field? That doesn't make any sense to me. Like huge upset things like that. I get it, but um, I don't know. I'm all for storming the field ninety percent of the time, um, and I'm I'm happy there are more. I guess I just uh, wish wish they'd be for for some bigger games, some bigger wins, some bigger upsets. All right. So my my theory on this is the fact that there have been more AP top 25 losses this year 
than in the history of the AP poll. Do I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we really didn't know how to rank teams coming out of COVID? We didn't really know how to actually grade who's good, who's bad, what the impact of super seniors was going to be, the impact of a team like Michigan State going out and just completely flipping their roster with the transfer portal with no transfer penalty, right? Do, do we really know? But the fact that you have had so many losses, and you, I think you brought up a good point there, PJ, and I'm not to rub salt in the wound, but Penn State and Iowa, was that 3-4? It was either 2-3 three or 3-4. Three, when that I, game happened, right? And now Penn State's unranked and Iowa's yeah. what? 20-something. Yeah. So it's just it's just it's misrankings yeah. is why it's there, but it doesn't matter if I'm at a college and my team beats a top five team, unless you're like one of like five schools, you're gonna storm the field. So I think a lot of like misrankings with a lot of these teams, on top of more upsets than we've ever seen because of the misplaced rankings, has led to it. It doesn't matter who you're playing, if you beat them, you storm the field. Right. Yeah. So, if they're top somewhere. five, it doesn't matter like if they're like somebody messed up and ranked Kansas in the top five. If, <laughs> if your team doesn't traditionally beat, yeah. beat top five teams and you beat them, you storm the field. I mean, look at it. Arkansas beat Texas. Yeah. Texas is atrocious. Is atrocious now, but I mean, like you said, with the rankings and whatnot, right. uh, who, who knew that? So you, sto- you storm the field. Right. I think that's perfectly acceptable. Now, I can kind of with you. If you're a team that's supposed to have, quote, been there, done that, i.e. like an Iowa if you're, what, the number three team or number two team in the country at that point, and you beat somebody who's ranked lower than you, yeah, and you storm the field, I think that's weird. I think it'd be like Georgia storming the field after beating number eight Arkansas. It's not like the fans are going to think of this either, but let's, I mean, and a Clemson, I get it. No, Clemson three, fans, I get it. You storm, the, you storm the field after every win. We get it. Whatever. Yeah. What? Okay. That's like the opposite of what the SEC did with their rule, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, like the SEC rule, don't do it, and then Clemson's like, we're gonna do it every week. Every week, y'all Why come not? on down. We're gonna we're gonna celebrate. You're supposed like Dan Mullen said, man, you're just, you're supposed to celebrate winning. We gotta take a quick break. We'll come back with more right here on Second Down. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Cam, is there anything from the association that we need to be updated on? What association? The association. The only one. Oh, the NBA. Yes. Nothing. Wait, you guys don't call it the association? No. Is that an old person thing? Yes. I've heard it. Yes. All I know is is that apparently the Bulls somehow are good now, DeMar DeRozan's playing well, and the Lakers are bad. The the Bulls are the best team in the NBA, yeah. The Bulls are the best team in the NBA. Like record-wise, or you actually think they're the best team in the NBA? Not record-wise, I think they're a game behind Golden State, but I actually think they're the best team in the NBA. DeMar DeRozan, I didn't even know he could shoot shoot threes that consistent he's definitely worked on his game and he's like if you had to give an mvp it would probably be demar Derozan. he's scoring like 27 a game right now right yeah yeah, yeah it's right kind of now we passed up on him for westbrook just, this is some free advice for the people out there so you're saying they're the best team in the nba yeah you think yeah. the chicago bulls yeah right like now, right yeah. now if you had to pick a team that was going to win the title not going with your fandom like you're like <laughs> yeah, math yeah. wise you'd pay the chicago bulls yeah all right you can get the chicago bulls right now via <laughs> vegas insiders for plus four thousand, they're going for the same odds as the Atlanta Hawks. Hey, so you're saying you should do that? Because right now, yeah. right now the top five are the Brooklyn Nets, the LA Lakers, Milwaukee Bucks, Golden State Warriors, and Utah Jazz. Well, I wouldn't pick Lakers. LeBron isn't healthy. Uh, the well, Nets, I mean, but the finals aren't right now. 
Yeah, I mean, nah. If if say if they had the finals right now, the Chicago well, Bulls. We're not talking about right now. We're talking about the whole season. Like LeBron's has, gonna come back. I don't know. LeBron has years like this though, where if he gets hurt, he just kind of keeps getting hurt. Right, where like yeah. normally if he's healthy, know. he stays healthy all that. year. I think typically, like, I don't know, like prior to last year, if LeBron had had seasons where he actually got hurt, I think that was kind yeah. of his thing. Is like he's a tank. Like the only time we'd uh-huh. ever seen him really quote get hurt was cramping. But I will say this: his three years in LA, I think this is year four. That's the most he's ever been hurt. Year well, one, it makes done sense, last right? year and this year. It makes sense, right? I mean, yeah. he's, he's getting almost, old. He's almost yeah. forty. He's getting older. Like, it would make sense. But he will be playing off. this Friday though against the Boston Celtics, the best rivalry ever. I would Effort. disagree with that. I'd say the Miami Heat and Dallas Mavericks probably the oh lord wow shots best, shots fired that's rivalry that or uh, shots fired that Zaza Pachulia versus the Boston Celtics so true shots fired Paul Pierce in a wheelchair you kidding me you got the Warriors. that was the Lakers <laughs> the Warriors and the Raptors rivalry what do you mean oh lord but from the Raptors shout out Jay we got <laughs> we gotta go just a few more seconds here on the show. Three now coming up next. BJ Bennett, Ben Troop, and Kevin Thomas next right here on ESPN Radio. We'll talk to everyone.